Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we're very excited to have you with us on this Sunday morning, this glorious Sunday morning, to come and to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You all are 11 o'clock people, and most of you come in like 10 minutes ago. Um, and, and so I don't know if you got the chance that I did this morning to see the sunrise. Man, it was just a beautiful sunrise. I don't know how many of you were up that early um, as I was driving into to work. I saw it in my rearview mirror, just this bright ball of red coming through the oak trees. My first thought was, the end is here. And then I decided that it was just the sun rising. Um, and, but it was just this beautiful experience. And I, and I really was just, I mean, okay, the last series was, I said the end is here, by the way, for those of y'all. Um, the, the last series uh, was about the environment. We talked about that and, and all that stuff. And so y'all know that, that I love God's creation. And it was just kind of one of those awe-inspiring moments. Uh, to know that there's things in this world that I have no ability to come even remotely close to doing, and that's one of them, just to see the sunrise and see this beautiful thing. And, and so I, I hope you got to experience that, and it's just such a great way to start the morning, especially a morning where you get to worship God, where you get to come in here and, and worship your Lord and Savior. And I know you're not always into it, because um, I sit in the front and I can hear you, or not. Um, and, you know, there's some days when I just, just silence. It's like crickets, you know, in here and the worship team. And, you know, I tell a joke and you don't laugh. You know, that hurts us really deep down inside, um, except for Ty West. Always laughs at my jokes. So I think he's laughing at me, really. But, um, so, but I want you to, to realize to just to realize that this is a community of God, that this is a place where we get to come. I mean, this is awesome because this doesn't happen everywhere in the world. We get the opportunity to come together as believers, to come together as people seeking for something greater than ourselves, and to just let it go. Whatever we brought into the room, we can, we can leave it at the double doors back there. When you walk into the room, you can let go of the stress at work. You can let go of the stress in your family. You can let go of all the plans that you're trying to get together and they're not working out. You can let all of that go. And to come into a community of people that care, a community of people that give a darn. You're not always going to find it on our faces in here because we're human. And sometimes I forget to leave things at the door and I'm walking in and I'm bitter and I'm mad about something. And you may see me and I may not say, smile the greatest smile or I may look past you when I'm saying hello. But for the most part, for the most part, this is a community where you can come in and you can experience God. That's what's so awesome. I just love that about this place. I love that about coming here on Sunday mornings, is coming and looking out at your faces and, hey, you know, 25% of you looking back at me, and, and I get that feeling of community. And I experience that on a Sunday basis. That's what this series is about. The series is about community. It's a building plan, basically, for something great and tremendous. So that's where the term under construction and the orange cones that the worship team found behind the stage this morning went, ooh, this would be fun, and they just walked out with them. But that's what this is all about. It's about building something that's greater than what we have, building something that's greater than ourselves that we can't do on our own. It's about a dream, really. It's God's dream. When David, this series is something that we're doing church-wide, as Daryl said earlier, and and. David has written it, so you know it's going to be intelligent, and things that I couldn't come up with are going to be in it. And there's just this 
every moment, every, every time we do this in our church where we come together as the two worshiping bodies, the sanctuary and New Heights, as we come together and focus on one thing, every time we do that, something tremendous comes from it. Something amazing and exciting happens. And so this is that time of year. It's usually fall when we do this. We come together and, and we've been doing movies all summer long and they've been doing, I don't know, psalms or something like that. Um, and, and we come together and, and we do something together as the body of Christ, as a community. We're building something here, something that's greater than Dr. Mitnitsky, something that's greater than Master of Divinity Crocker, something that's greater than all of us. It's a community of believers, a community of God. You know, in essence, we have a dream for something greater than ourselves. I have a dream. As soon as I say that, you're going to think of somebody. Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream that one day, what was his dream? His dream was about community, wasn't it? His dream was about a community where it didn't matter what you look like, the color of your skin, where you came from. You came together in a community of love and peace. He set forward in that speech, one of the greatest speeches and the greatest orations of all time, he set forward a building plan of community. This is what it's all about. A community where people don't look at each other for what they are, but who they are as a child of God. Such a powerful speech and a powerful dream and vision that Dr. King had. And you know what? The reason why it was so powerful? It was God's vision. There was nothing, there was no new idea in there from him. It was God's vision. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Psalms 133. It's about right there. Psalms are easy to find, right? You just go halfway and open. Psalm 133. God has a dream also. And it's a, it's a dream of something that he desires so greatly on this, on this earth. Verse 1, this is a short psalm. How wonderful it is. How pleasant when brothers live together in unity. Remember that song we sing in here a lot? How good and pleasant it is when we live together in unity. And praise the Lord. That's why I don't lead worship. How wonderful it is and how pleasant when we live together in unity. For unity is as precious as the fragrant anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Unity is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And the Lord has pronounced his blessing. And the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life forevermore. Unity is something that God desires so greatly, so greatly and so desperately. Do you know in the story of creation, and I know you all read it because I asked you to do so in the last series, and you take what I say seriously, and so I know you went home and read it. What's the one thing that God said is bad, is not good? In the story of creation, remember he's creating all these things, you know, like boom, the world, and boom, water, and you know, and he's... At the end of every day, he goes, it's good. It's good. After everything, he's like, oh, that is good. Dude, I rock. That is all. Oh, look at the platypus on that one. Yes, I, that is good. That is good. That is good. Not so good. Where does he stop? Where's the one that makes him pause? It's with Adam. You know this? It's with that. After he creates Adam, and he says, oh, yeah, Adam's great and all, but wait a minute. This isn't good. Women are going, yeah, because it was a man. What's missing? Community. He said, it's not good for man to be by himself. It's not good for you to be alone. You need community. 
So what does he do? He creates Eve. He creates community. He builds right there in the Garden of Eden, the perfect place, the place where he wanted us to dwell forever and still longs for us and will bring us back there someday. Community. He needed community. Why? David, I listened to David's sermon at 8.30, and he was, he was talking about this and saying the typical Sunday school answer for why God created man is because he was lonely. How silly is that? He's God. God wasn't lonely. God was dwelling in community. We just sang it in the last song, Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three entities coming into one. God is a community. And he's like, this is awesome. This is so cool, I've got to share it with someone else. I have got to create this community because it's amazing. It is so much fun to be in a community. I get so much fulfillment. I, you know, this is God's inner monologue. I don't know exactly what he said. So he created community. He created this community. And it's his desire, his wish for us to be in that community, to be in a community. Everything God does, everything God wants for us is something that will benefit us. Everything God desires for us is something that will be good for us. And so community. Why aren't we more in community? We have a world that is just separating itself so much. We have a world that is just splintering behind computer screens and televisions and we don't know our neighbors and we don't know anyone on our block and we have this world where we find ourselves just scattering Where's the community? Ken Burns is coming out with a documentary on PBS. I believe it starts tonight or tomorrow, and it's on World War II. And somebody asked him if it was a kind of this political deal with Iraq and if any of that's going to come into play with it. And he said, no, we started this way before Iraq happened, before the invasion of Iraq. So it, that has nothing to do with it. However, let me tell you a difference that I see in the country then and the country now. He said, then... There is community. Now we seem to have a whole lot of pluribus and not much unum. My mother is a Latin teacher and she's like, oh, I know what that means. She's not even up there. I heard somebody laugh. A lot of, I'm uh, sure funny word, unum. A whole lot of pluribus but not much unum. E pluribus unum. It's on your money. Take out your bills and look at it sometime. It's on your money. E pluribus unum. Out of many, one. And what Burns is saying is, we got a lot of many, but we don't have much one. We don't have that common bond that's bringing us together. We don't have that community. I mean, that was just kind of a political statement and taking the temperature of the world and all the things that are going on right now. But really, he's right. Because the important thing he was stressing there is the unum, is the one, is the coming together as a community to find the strength, to find the support, to find the love, to find the peace. It's that community that binds us together. The same community that God created in the garden. That's the important thing. It's coming together as one. Being in community is good for us. God wants it for us. Let me tell you some, a, a quick set of little uh, scientific experiments that people did about community. There was a study that was done years ago on babies that did not have a community, a relationship. 
they were, they were babies. They studied these babies that did not have someone to nurture and love them and pick them up and care for them and all these different things. And they found that those children developed much more slowly than the children that had a strong relationship and community surrounding them. Your very development, the very being of who you're created is shaped by your community. The importance of a community, of a surrounding family and a a unit that comes together, unum, to bring all these people together and to support and to raise and to cherish this child. The development of children depends on community. Another statistic that was thrown out there and that John Ortberg talks about it in in one of his books. Um, You can tell this is coming from David because I'm mentioning authors' names. (laughs) <laughs> and not television shows. That's, there's your line right there. Um, is, he says 50%. If you want a 50% more likely chance of living, join a group. He, he says, I, I will increase your likelihood of living by 50% by telling you this. Join a group. People are the, that are in community live longer. They live longer. They have a more fulfilled life. I just gave you half of the secret of life, apparently, because it's only 50%. There's a story of, of the men that were on the USS Indianapolis. It was a warship that was sunk. And you might have heard this story before. These guys are, are thrown into the ocean, thrown into the water. And sharks eventually come up and surround them. And the sharks go after the dead ones first. Once they've gotten to the dead ones, then they go after the men that are by themselves. They stayed away from the guys that were in groups, and they went to the guys that were just by themselves and started picking them off one by one. Satan, it says in the text, is a serpent. It doesn't say he's a shark, but he operates the same way, doesn't he? He finds that person that's out on the edge by themselves, and he sneaks up and he grabs them. Those are the ones he goes after. You remember the Planet Earth videos we were showing uh, the last three weeks or before? It's like that wounded gazelle, the weak one that's off by itself that the wolves go after. It's not the pack. It's the one that's by himself. It's the person that's walking alone with God and feels like everything's going okay, so they're not in a group because I don't need anybody else. I'm doing my quiet time. Michael says, you've got to have a quiet time. You've got to have a prayer time. I'm doing that. I'm doing those things, but I'm not in a group. I'm walking alone by myself. Well, guess what? You're the one he's looking for you got a big old target on your back because you don't have the strength of the body of Christ. You don't have the strength of that group that's surrounding you. The very reason God created more than one person is so that you could be together. Otherwise, he would have left Adam alone. But he didn't want that. He longed for us to be in community. He longed for us to be together, unum. I wonder how many of you are in small groups. You don't have to. Uh, yeah, raise your hand. How many of you are in a small group? Pretty emphatic there. Front row. He's in my small group. That's why. We rock. Small groups. John Wesley said, talked about the means of grace. That one of the ways that you feel the grace of God and experience the grace of God is through a group of believers. There are different ways to experience God's presence. And one of those is through a group of believers. An important and vital one is a group of believers, a small group. Coming together as a group of people that are searching for the same thing, a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, and moving forward on this path. Let me tell you the importance of a small group. 
I, uh, I mean, y'all know that when I get up here and I speak, sometimes when I speak about um, my daughter, I get emotional. Like right there, I had a brief moment, and then I thought of Brett Favre and everything was okay. I'm not, I'm not generally that much of an emotional person. I don't like to be one-on-one with people, and, you know, I kind of keep things inside and just wait till hunting season, and then I let it all out at the birds. And, um, but my small group, um, we, we get together. We're guys about the same age. Uh, we're about in the same point in life. We're, we've been married for anywhere from uh, just under a year to, I think I'm the longest, uh, just over seven years. And, and some of us have kids. Some of us don't. But we're all kind of in the same area, general place in life. And, and we get together and we just, we talk about God stuff. And we've been focusing on some devotionals and talking about some things like that. But a lot of times it's just a chance to come together of, guys, we know where you stand. We, you, I may not be as far along the path of my relationship with Jesus Christ as someone else is, but we know we're both moving and we know we're both heading in the same direction. And so it's, sometimes it's good to come there because you find support that you don't find in the world. <clears throat> a lot of stuff that has been going on with my daughter has, has caused me at times to be completely broken. And because I am the way that I am and because, um, forgive me, my family uh, is the way that we are, we're, we don't talk about our emotions. We don't. We don't share them. If you have an emotion, you know, I, I told Jenna I loved her on August 12, 2000. If anything changes, I'll let you know. But until then, let's go with that. You know, it's kind of one of those things. And, and so there was a time when I needed to release. There was a time when I needed to feel the strength of men who are walking the same journey. It's a different story. It's a different, it's a different everything. But we're on the same path, and they know hurt, and they know pain, and they know victory, and they know the love of God and the peace of God. And so me, Reverend Crocker, Master of Divinity, I had to come to them and let it out. They're not smarter than I am. They're not any closer to God than I am necessarily. They they don't know the text better than I do. But the thing was, They were God for me at that moment. They were Jesus Christ for me. Because he's not here again, he's given us the opportunity to do that. He's given us the ability and the opportunity to be his hands, to reach out and to say, you know what? Whatever you need, let's pray for you right now. Whatever you need, Let it out, man. If I didn't have that small group, if I didn't have that experience, that catharsis of just... If I tried to do it on my own in my quiet times and just walk by myself with God thinking, I don't need that because i got a relationship with God and I can just do it and handle it on my own, I'm quite certain that I would have imploded. That I wouldn't be standing up here today that I would be down some other path and doing some other thing and going about my life. But I'm quite certain that my relationship with God would not be as strong as it is today. It's because of that small group. It doesn't happen every week that one of us comes in with this major thing. A lot of times we just hang out. We talk about how the Red Sox are choking and losing. 
why God likes them better than the Yankees. I said that for my brother's benefit. But then there are those moments when we are able to come together as this group of believers. What God intended us to do is to come to the fellow believers, the body of Christ. If he wants us to be like Jesus Christ, then let's start living like it. You think Jesus did his ministry on his own? No. At the age of 30, when he begins his ministry, what does he do? He walks by and he starts calling disciples. Hey, you two, come with me. Matthew, drop your money, follow me. Come with me, come with me. He sets up this group of disciples, 12 men, 7 women, that follow him and learn from him and are his community that he turns to. And then he sets up even a deeper one than those three. Peter, James, and John, these three guys that come together and they just, it's a community. Jesus Christ knew the importance of community. He knew the importance of, of how great it was to be together and able to share and able to vent and able to learn and to grow and to be his love. For one another. Community is so important. It's God's dream to build a community. God loved it so much in his own community that he created ours. He said, it's not good for you to be alone. The message hasn't changed. It still isn't good for you to be alone. David just got back from Israel he was there for a few weeks on a Ray Vanderlyn trip and, and got to see a lot of the stuff. What Ray does is he takes you to, you know, this is where Jesus was crucified. This, I mean, pretty heavy stuff and really cool stuff. And some of the things he, they went and saw uh, were revolved around King Herod. I don't know if you know this, but scholars are saying now that King Herod was the richest man that ever lived, Period. Not during that time, not at you know, some juncture, period. They believed that his wealth was ten times greater than, what's his name up in Washington? Bill Gates. Yeah, Bill Gates, that chump that finds a million dollars in his couch. Oh, look, a million dollar bill. Dropped out of my pocket. Ten times greater than Bill Gates, his wealth was. And he knew it. And he used it to build these magnificent palaces. Caesarea was this beautiful palace that he built with a hippodrome, hippodrome, which is like Kyle Field of the time, and, but it held 350,000 people. Huge stadium. These amazingly large things that he built. He built a temple to the God of the Jews. He was not a Jew himself. He built this amazingly large temple that when it was destroyed by the Romans, the, the blocks of marble and, and stone that built it, fell and are in a rubble, and, and some of them are like six or seven metric tons. Huge. A huge temple. But all the things he built are gone. All the things that he built and spent his wealth and time on are gone. They're tourist traps now. Jesus Christ, about the same time period, was also a builder. But he was building community. A community that 2,000 years later numbers close to 2 billion. A community that is not in rubbles. A community that is continuing to grow and to change and to evolve and to get closer and closer to what he wants for us. Back to that garden. It's all about community. It's all about getting together with the people 
He created you to be in community with. Over the next few weeks, what we're going to be talking about, all the way actually up to the Advent season, is community. We're going to be talking about, get it into your heads right now. You'll hear the C word a lot. Community. Joining a community. Being involved in a community. Not just here at church, but even the larger aspect. On October 14th, I believe it is, uh, the Bishop of Ghana, the entire country, (laughs) the Bishop of Ghana, is coming and going to be at our church and is going to talk about um, the Methodist Church in Ghana. We're beginning to move towards starting missions programs to where we are going over to Africa and serving with these Methodists in Africa and, and helping out because community isn't just a narrowly focused thing. We talk about the bubble around here. I always joke that um, for some members of my family, when they leave 410, they carry a passport with them. Did you get your passport stamp? 1604? Oh, my goodness, do they speak English out there. We have this tight bubble community where some people never leave it. I'm one of those people. I drive, you know, I live like a minute from here, and this, I have a very small circle that I drive in. It's bigger than that. There is community, the three that Jesus had, then there's the twelve, then there's the thousands. I think in Acts 2 it talks about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. There's all of these things that God has created. It all revolves around community. So for the next few weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. But today, what I want to just, what I really want to ask you, because not that many hands went up when I asked if you were in a small group. I really want you to pray about that. I really want you to search your heart and ask God to direct you on the path to a small group. Because I tell you, it's important. Don't be that lone floater out in the ocean waiting for the shark to nip your toes off. Don't be that wounded gazelle left behind. Get into a small group. We have so many different small groups here at the church. We have young men's. We have old men's. We have mixed. We have uh, couple small groups. We have women's groups. We have mother's groups. We have um, a a divorce group. We have widow's groups. We have, there used to be a motorcycle group. I don't know if they still are, but I hope so, because I really want to be in a sidecar anyway. It would be cool. I'm okay with that. Uh, There's all kinds of groups that are out there. I just really encourage you to ask us about them. If you're not in one, come see me after the service and ask me about it. If you have a question about it, you're a little worried about fitting into a group, it takes a little while, yeah. And you may go to a group that isn't for you, and it's okay to leave and to go find another one. That's okay. You're not committed for the rest of your life. You don't sign in blood, on the dotted line, this is my small group for now and evermore. No, things change in your life, and you move, and you change, and you grow. But come talk to us about it. There's a guy, Andy Birchfield, that is usually in here. He has the brightest, whitest hair of any 43-year-old I've ever seen. and um, So that's his marker, basically. When you see that guy, the glow coming off of him, it's from God, but also the hair. Um, ask him about small groups. He can get you hooked up. He knows everything about small groups. Come see me. Talk to me about it. But I really do encourage you, during this time that we are under construction and building our church towards a greater, stronger community, maybe even, I don't know, going to talk to the people down the hall. I know, that's scary. I don't like to go in there either. But building a community of believers, because that's what it's all about. If God said it wasn't good for us to be alone, maybe we should start listening to those words and come together as a community. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for being the God that you are. Father, Son, and the Spirit. A community, Lord. We thank you so much that you love us so dearly and desperately that you gave us the opportunity to be a community also. That you gave us the opportunity to be your hands and your feet to our friends and to our fellow believers and to the people that need us. Lord, I pray that you would instill in all of us the desire, the need to be in that community. To find a group, a small group, where we can be open and real and learn about you. The greatest time that we can learn about you, Father, is when we are together with other believers discussing your truth. Lord, I pray that you would drive each of us to that. That all of us, no matter how scared we are of small groups, how much we think it's too much time, Lord, help us all to find that group that is right for us. And that through that group, we might see your face. In Jesus Christ's holy and precious name, amen. Again, I'm up here after the service right in front of the altar, and there will be someone from the prayer team over here on this side of the stage. We'll see you next week.